are there broken parts here that need to be fixed? Or am I just simply at a point where I just need some rest from my heavy schedule? Welcome to Hope Renewed, helping you find new hope when ministry leaves you hopeless. The Hope Renewed podcast is brought to you by BIR Ministries. Here are your hosts, Tom Jameson and Sean Nemechek. Well, Sean, it's it's great to be back together again. We're we're coming off a, a break here, uh, where we've been away from the podcast for a while. Yeah, we've been away from this podcast for a while. I've been doing interviews around my book. It feels like <laughs> partly taking a break. But uh, if our listeners are are wondering why we haven't gotten back to it, it's my fault. That's why. Uh, so it's nice to be way to own it, brother. <laughs> Well, I, I, I was thinking it's, it is so awesome to be back from a break. And the very first thing we're going to be talking about is taking a break, <laughs> talking about <laughs> sabbatical, which, which is really a, a wrong concept, isn't it? That, that too often, uh, and within the church particularly, sabbatical gets kind of this bad rap. It's your, oh, you're taking a break. You're taking it mm-hmm. easy. You're going away and just doing nothing. And that can't be further from the truth. Yeah, we've got our special guest today is Carl Vaders, and uh, he's uh, just coming off a season of sabbatical. And I, I suspect as we talk with Carl, we'll find that this isn't so much a break, but a vital part of a healthy rhythm for ministry. Um, and uh, so without further ado, we just want to welcome Carl Vaders to the podcast. Good to be back with you. It's it's so fun to have you with us again. Um Let's just start by uh, talking about what were your reasons for uh, wanting to go on sabbatical? Great question. Uh, I have been in ministry for over 40 years, and I've never taken one. Um, uh, About 15 or so years ago, I took uh, 40 days away from ministry, but that was not a sabbatical. That was an unscheduled collapse. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, And so it doesn't quite do what the sabbatical does, but... um, there's several reasons. One, just 40 years of pastoral ministry uh, on its own is 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 wonderful, but also exhausting. It is an output of energy that is 24-7, uh, that you really don't get a full break from. Even when you take days off or vacations off, uh, you're never not the pastor. And then um, over the last few years, I've had this shift of ministry uh, winding down my pastoral obligations at my local church and winding up this whole ministry where I'm reaching out uh, to other pastors and pastoring other pastors. So I'm staying in pastoral mode, but now the focus of those I'm pastoring is shifting from the person in the pew to other pastors themselves. And um, and then about a couple of years ago, as we started looking ahead, uh, we're actually in a process now of, um, as of the end of this year, the, when I finished December of this year, uh, that will be my last day as being on staff at our church. And as of January, we will be doing this ministry to other pastoring other pastors uh, full time. Uh, so early 60s, uh, looking at uh, shifting the ministry entirely um, and, and and dedicating ourselves now to a, a very, very full schedule of different type of ministry than we've been to before. So it's like a lot of front brain stuff that you have to think through because it's very different to be to continue doing a, a, this, a similar thing for the fourth decade and shifting in the fourth decade to doing a different type of ministry. 
So we looked at it and said, we really need a, one, a physical and emotional break from this, but also a break to be able to think and ponder and pray and uh, consider where the Lord is taking us in this new season. And we felt like the only way to really do that is to step away from all of it for as long a period of time as we were able to manage with our schedules. And it's really interesting to hear that dynamic because I think it goes to the definition of what sabbatical means. There, There is definitely a resting from, but there's also a resting toward uh, yes. in terms of preparation. Yeah, very, very much so. As as, as you heard, it was if we were, I, I, I should have taken sabbaticals all along, but it was this shift of emphasis that made the need for it evident for me. Mm. Um, and as you're saying, as, as you mentioned even earlier, Sean, it's really hard for people who haven't, who aren't in pastoral ministry and who've never taken a sabbatical to understand this is not a vacation. I mean, the number of people who have said, how was your vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was really uh, hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really wasn't a vacation at all. Yeah. It was it, it was a it was restful, but it was also um, very thoughtful. Uh, and so mm-hmm. the combination of those two things is something that is a challenge to manage. But when you can manage when manage it, uh, it was it was a really a wonderful thing to be able to do. So a lot of pastors who I coach around uh, taking a sabbatical deal with uh, objections. Um, First are objections that raise within themselves about why they can't go on sabbatical. Um, You know, it might be things like, uh, I just can't afford to take the time off, uh, or the church won't survive without me, or any number of things. And then there's the objections that come from the church leaders about why their pastor can't take a sabbatical. Um, what, What was stirring in you? Um, and maybe in your wife too, about uh, why you couldn't go on sabbatical. During the, you know, the 40 years that I was in pastoral ministry and didn't take one, the first reason that I didn't take one is because I just, it wasn't on my radar. I'd heard of sabbaticals. Uh, I particularly knew of college professors that took sabbaticals. So I kind of had it in my head that this was like a thing that academicians did, you know, the people in, in, in that. I didn't know that many pastors who actually took sabbaticals and almost every pastor who took a sabbatical that I was aware of was either pastoring a larger church where the staff could take care of things while they were gone, or it was a prescribed sabbatical because they were in a denomination that in fact required that as part of their planned um, uh, way of doing ministry. And I was like, I'm not in a big church and it's I'm not in a denomination that has that as part of our pattern and, and rhythm of life. So it just wasn't the thing that occurred to me, first of all. That was the first part of it. And then as I started realizing how helpful it might be for me, it was, as you were saying, Sean, earlier, there was this whole objection within my own head and heart of, I don't, how can I take that amount of time off? I have this obligation, that obligation, the other obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the first thing. In my particular situation, I didn't get much pushback from the congregation, but that is that is unusual. Most pastors I talk to, once they overcome their own internal um, uh, difficulties with it, they then face an even bigger difficulty with their congregation members going, I don't get to take, you know, four mm-hmm. months, five months vacation. Why should you? <laughs> um and th- that, thankfully, I never got from my congregation. Um, and I think there are factors into that that we can get into if you'd like. Uh, but yeah, when you add all of those things together, I think a lot of pastors just get to the point where it's just not for me. 
there's too many of these things. And the amount of work that I have to do to take the sabbatical is far more than any value I might get out of one. So I'm just going to keep going. So how, how would you answer those objections now that you're on the other side of the sabbatical? If you could look back and talk back to yourself, what would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's walk through them one at a time. First of all, just putting it on the radar screen. Um, yeah. I, we need to be aware that there are, uh, pastoring is a 24 seven job, a job well, calling, but the job part is still 24 seven. There is a job aspect to the calling and it's relentless. We, we don't take, when we go home, uh, we're not off the clock, and especially now when we're not leaving our our church phone on the church desk at our church study, but mm-hmm. we're taking all of that with us everywhere we go, even more than ever, we are 24-7. And even if you do unplug the phone and get away for a week in a place where nobody even has cell reception, you're, you're never not the pastor. There's still, it, it's not a thing we do. It's a big part of who we are. Um, and some of that self-identity is, some of that is unbiblical, but some of it is quite biblical. It is, it's not just what we do. It really is a calling and it's part of who we are. Mm-hmm. So we're never fully away from it, which means even if we're taking a regular Sabbath, which we should be, and even if we're taking regular vacations, which we should be, uh, even on those things, we've all known the interruptions that are, that do happen and are likely to happen at any moment during those seasons. So the amount of time that it simply takes to um, decompress from that, to to stop thinking in pastoral mode is such a long time that we need these huge chunks of time to be able to step away from it and to be able to to do that. So my first objection, (laughs) the way I'd face my own first objection of thinking about it would be, think about it, pay attention to it. It's not just for big church pastors and it's not just for people who are professors of Bible college. The small church pastor may actually have a greater need for it than others because the aspects of pastoring that we have to anticipate and participate in are are much more multi-layered than our friends in big churches who can delegate Mm. it to others. So that's, Mm. that's the first answer that I would give to myself. Um, second answer I would give to, uh, well, I just don't have the time is yes, you're right. You don't, (laughs) (laughs) which is precisely why you need a sabbatical. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I am, I, I am not going to push back against any small church pastor who says, where will I get the time? I'm not going to go, well, if you, you can figure it out. No, I, the first acknowledgement is absolutely. It is, it is a ridiculous concept to try to figure out how am I going to take literally months away from these obligations that don't even seem to uh, take a day away uh, from me. But again, the, that very fact of not being able to do it is one of the reasons why uh, we need to do it. And here's what made it possible for me. This So this is, um, and this is part of what I, when I'm teaching other pastors on a regular basis, I make this a big part of what I'm teaching. Um, we, as pa- especially as small church pastors, we tend to because because we're hands on, uh, we're, we're hands on in the way we do ministry in a small church. We tend to be far more uh, chaplains to our church than pastors to our church. And I'm going to way oversimplify the role of chaplaining, but to way oversimplify it, chaplains in essence bring ministry to people and do ministry for people. We bring ministry to the hospital, to the military, to a school. We bring it to them and we do it for them. And that again, way oversimplified. Those of you who are chaplains know that I have way over stereotyped you and I understand that. Uh, But 
that's what a lot of us as pastors think we should do. We're supposed to bring ministry to these people and do all the ministry for these people. And if we do that, we will keep ourselves in a constant state of codependent, codependent obligation that we cannot escape from. Mm -hmm. But we are also not pastoring biblically when we do that. Our calling is not to bring ministry to people and do ministry for people. Our calling as pastors is to equip God's people to do the works of ministry. Mm -hmm. So about 15 to 20 years ago, when I went through that you know, collapse that I talked about earlier, I came back from it and realized I need to fix the way I'm doing this. I need to uh, do this more biblically. I need to start equipping God's people. That is not easy and that will not happen quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I invested the time, the energy into that so that a good five to 10 years ago, I could have taken a sabbatical if it had been on my radar because there were people in the church equipped to do the job while I was gone. So yeah, th th that, that's how I, I begin. I would begin to process my own thought pattern 30, 40 years ago, if I could talk to my younger self. Yeah. And that's, and that's what you were saying was unique about your congregation, uh, yeah. that they were, they were prepared by your pastoring to be able to uh, exactly. allow for that space and even create that space. Yeah. That's, that's rare. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, yeah, you're right. That was why on the third one, why I didn't get the objections from the place we often get it is because I had prepared the ground over a long period of time. And I, we, we have a, we just had a pattern in our church. I literally got up after I discovered, Hey, I have not been discipling people. I have not been doing what my primary calling is. I actually repented to my congregation. I got up and I told them that I need to ask for your forgiveness, that I have not been mm -hmm. pastoring you biblically. I have been doing all this work for you, and it is not my job to do the work for you. It is my calling from God to equip you to do this work for each other. And that's the way we're going to do this from the, from this point on. Um, yeah. And as yeah, and as we then started implementing that into place, people started re seeing the value of it, realizing the strength of it. And, um, and, and I had to also step away from feeling threatened by that that all of a sudden, wait a minute, if I'm duplicating myself in somebody else, then wait a minute, uh, am I going to, I'm going to make myself unnecessary here, which quite frankly, I did. And it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It really so, does turn our, our concept of, of pastoring on its head though. Yeah. Oh, hugely. Yeah. So yeah. And that needs hugely. to happen more and more, I think, yeah. uh, in our churches. Uh, Carl, uh, we don't have time to answer every objection that uh, churches raise about why their pastor shouldn't take a sabbatical or can't take a sabbatical. But if you were to just speak to a, a church leader who's who really needs to hear why uh, their pastor should take a sabbatical, what would you say? The pastoral calling is not like any other job. Um, it is 24-7. We are never not the pastor. So even when we take a few days off or we take vacation time off, that at any moment can be and often is interrupted uh, by something that happens. And so imagine in your job, if you could never, ever get away from it for decades at a time, you would need some very big, serious time away just for your own mental and emotional health. So that's Number one, our job is not like your job. So when people say, well, I don't get that. Well, that's because, but you don't also have to do what we have to do. 
So the break is necessary because our obligation is, is, is higher. So that's, that, that's the first one. Secondly, don't you want your pastor to be operating at an optimal pace and in an optimal way for you? You're, you will have a better pastor if you allow for sabbatical than you currently have right now. Right now, you're being pastored by someone who is probably on the edge of or fully in the middle of some level of burnout. And if so, I've got a book you can read that will really help you with that. <laughs> and I didn't have to write it because Sean already did. Um, so yeah, you probably your 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 pastor is probably operating on on a, on some level of unhealthy emotional burnout that uh, they need time away to be able to do, and you will have a better pastor at the end of that. Um, thirdly, um, the preparation for that will strengthen the congregation because people will uh, have the opportunity to step up and to take aspects of ministry that we simply don't even think about the necessity of until all of a sudden, wait a minute, the pastor is physically going to be gone for X period of time. Somebody else is going to need to do this. It's like when you're, when you're at work and you're called to do a presentation at work on a subject that you know something about, but you're not an expert in yet, but all of a sudden you better be an expert by this date because you're going to be doing the presentation on it. All of a sudden you get really better really fast because you have to do, you have to do the presentation. Well, pastor's about to leave. He, the pastor's going to be gone for X number of months. We are going to have to cover this aspect of ministry. Let's get good at it fast. So the, the, the pastor will be a better pastor. Well, first of all, the pastor's calling is different than a regular job. Secondly, the pastor will be a better pastor because of sabbatical. Thirdly, you will be a stronger church because of sabbatical. One of the things I often tell uh, church leaders is uh, your pastor needs time to be with God, to hear from God. Uh, yeah. The way he's doing ministry improperly and the way he should be doing ministry uh, and the only way to do that is to let go of the pastoral duties for a season, let things settle and be still, just as Elijah had to be still in the wilderness before God. The godly people in the in the in the Bible, starting with Jesus Himself, and the amount of time they took away. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, if we're going to follow Jesus' example, then there are going to be times when people that people look around and go, "Hey, where'd he go off to again?" Uh, <laughs> the disciples were regularly wondering that about Jesus. And as you mentioned, Elijah and the other Old Testament prophets as well, uh, they regularly took these times away to spend time with the Father, to renew their spirits of their hearts, uh, not just for ministry, but just for the sake of their own souls, spirits, mm -hmm. and emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is really a counterintuitive way to, to live. Uh, and I think that oftentimes can be uh, an objection that, that's raised and just being able to say, no, this, this really is necessary. So you, you um, came to this realization, you answered some objections. So what, did you just get the tablets from the mountain saying, thus is your sabbatical and this is how you go about it? Or uh, you, you had a different uh, tack to approaching your sabbatical, didn't you? I did. I I, I have a, full, a a pretty good understanding of my uh, ability to be lazy. Um, <laughs> I, I know myself, and if I take a week off without planning something healthy and helpful during that week, I can waste time, and that week can actually 
not benefit me the way it ought to benefit me. Mm. Um, and so I had to look at it and go, okay, I'm not just going to take, for me, it was what happened was I've got my schedule. I got my schedule out about a year and a half, two years ago. I saw this 50 day chunk between this thing I had to be at. And the next thing I had to be at in the middle of the summer. And I thought before that fills in, I'm just going to wipe that clean. Nobody gets to put anything in that. And if it had been a longer period of time, it would have been better. And why we'll get into in a bit. Mm. So I, 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 I laid that out there and, uh, Tom, what was your question? I got partway through the explanation. Of <laughs> well, as, as so as you approach this and certainly being able to, to grasp your mind around it, um, the, the actual preparation and planning, because uh, yeah. I, I've got the inside track that you worked with a guy. So, yeah, I worked with a guy. So uh, I looked at it and thought, I need a plan. And I had to, I, I, I know Sean and I've talked with him and I was uh, pleased to endorse uh, his book, The Weary Leader's Guide to Burnout. Uh, to a, yeah, and um, in fact, I, I remember that book when it had a previous title because it was still <laughs> in the early workings of it. Um, and um, and I knew that Sean had done work on that. And in fact, I think, Sean, you had been on my podcast, and I think we hadn't even talked about mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the stuff you had written uh, on your website about that. So I went to Sean's website, and I picked out those two articles, and I, I physically printed them up so I could carry them with me and mark them and so on. And I saw there's a real, there's a real good planning in this that makes a whole lot of sense from planning for the sabbatical before it even happens to how to walk through it so that you're getting the rest you need and the help you need, and then how to even come out of it and how to phase back into ministry slowly so that you're not just hitting the ground running and uh, getting into some of the dangers that would happen there. And I thought, hey, let's go to somebody who's been there. Let's go to somebody who's got some wisdom in it, and let's uh, use this as a template. And I just took Sean's stuff, and I just simply filled in the blanks. I didn't even adapt it to my, well, I adapted it to the length of time I was gone, but that was the only adaptation I made. I just did it, what you mm. laid out for it. It was just, it was just paint by numbers because it made sense to me. So Sean, uh, you, you worked with Carl and on planning his sabbatical. Um, what, what was your tack as you came into that, or as you, you talk with pastors about uh, planning sabbaticals? Yeah, this one was different than my usual, uh, sabbatical planning meetings because Carl is moving into a new ministry, whereas most of the time I'm working with pastors who are taking a break from ministry that they're going to be returning to. Um, and so I wanted to just see where Carl was at. And uh, Shelly met with us too. And that was, that was fun. Um, and uh, just had a chance to uh, go through some of the questions that they had and, and things. And Really, my tack is how can we make this sabbatical truly restful and restorative? And what can we learn from that rest that will inform our rhythms for ministry afterwards? Um, and so uh, I really focus on helping them understand what it, it's like to disconnect, uh, to step away from ministry and from social media and electronic media and email and all those things, uh, to deeply rest and, and get what they need for their soul. And then once they've done that, to, to spend the last part of the sabbatical um, asking how do I want to change the way that I work so that uh, this quality of rest uh, can inform my work and support my work? Um, and so it's about changing rhythms. 
And so we had a conversation around those things. I think my favorite part was when we said, uh, you need to step away from email. And Shelly went, what? <laughs> How is that even possible? Uh, Carl, what was that like for you? What was the meeting, the, the conversation like for you? It was very helpful. The one part that really stuck out to me, uh, in addition to what you've already shared, is um, I wanted to have <clears throat> some help from somebody who uh, had an understanding of this process and an understanding of pastors, but also had some enough distance from my day-to-day -day life to bring me some object objectivity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to, my, my father's a retired pastor and I, 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 I meet, we hang out at least once a week and, and he still continues to mentor me, but he's too close to me, uh, to, to give me certain, uh, uh, you know, objective, uh, help. And one of my questions that one of my concerns was, I may not have phrased it this way to you, but this was my concern was, is, are there, are there broken parts here that need to be fixed? Or am I just simply at a point where I just need some rest from my heavy schedule? And in the conversation that you and I had, uh, you gave me the good news that no, it doesn't sound like you're broken anywhere. So we're not working on fixing broken stuff. We're working on uh, the process of, of, of transition um, moving from one place to the next. Cause you know, the last time I took, you know, some days away, it was a collapse because it was all about fixing brokenness. Um, and it was nice to hear also that I got into sabbatical ahead of brokenness. Cause I knew at the pace I've been going, especially because the work does, the work is not a bit, I like working. I like working hard, but when you're working hard and you're having to think new in new ways about a change in ministry it's that that the 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 muscle memory work is one thing but the learning new stuff work that's additionally exhausting and i had been in the middle of that and am in the middle of that for an extended period of time at uh you know in my 60s not in my 30s um so there's an exhaustion factor to that that i had to take into account so uh, by by looking at it I'm a year and a half to two over two years ahead actually and setting it in this place, um, I it turned. Uh, you know, I, I was able to get to it before I I broke down. Mm -hmm. But I'm also going to tell you this: in the first week to two weeks of it, we looked at each other and realized we got to this just before we broke down. <laughs> <laughs> we were closer to it than we realized. Mm. And it wasn't because bad stuff was happening. It was because so much good stuff was happening and we were just, it was the, the busyness and the stress of it. And, and there's not as much difference between good stress and bad stress as we think. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I hear that from every pastor I coach through sabbaticals, um, wow. they get two weeks, three weeks into it. And they say, I didn't realize how much I needed this rest. I didn't realize how physically tired I am, how sleep deprived I am, how much stress I was carrying, uh, whatever it is, they, it's always, I needed this rest far more than I realized. I think one of the things about a sabbatical and about ministry is it, it's kind of like, if you think of ministry, it's kind of like canoeing downstream, fast moving stream, and you, you're doing it for a long time and the boat begins to wear out. So you got to change uh, the way you're doing ministry, if that's your canoe. Uh, you don't change boats in the middle of the stream. You know, you pull off to the, the side, you get out of the boat, and you get in the new boat on the shore. If you try and change midstream, you're going to end up in the water. 
Uh, it just doesn't work. And this is kind of what we're trying to get pastors to do is to recognize there's a, a better way of doing ministry, even if it's, if it's just a little refresh. Um, get some rest and, and change the way you're doing things. It's really helpful in talking with you about that transition because we were joking about Shelly's reaction to no emails. And, uh, um, but what, what you, you, you were able to really, in a very simple way, relieve some of the potential guilt. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna, not going to call it potential guilt, the inevitable guilt <laughs> <laughs> that we that we feel when like if he, you, you in fact you said don't just turn it off like a switch you can't on one day be working in work mode to get ready for sabbatical and in the next mo day you're on sabbatical and you're not answering emails for the next 50 days or whatever that's not viable so you said for the first couple of weeks don't feel guilty if you go oh i didn't quite finish that up i need to finish that up before i can really relax or I need to do, I, there isn't a, a, an email thing that I forgot about. You were like, ease into it, go into it slowly, guilt-free. And that was, that was even by the time we left that conversation where Shelly was shocked by the, by the no emails thing, by the end of it, we were like, oh, okay. It's not instantly one day, no emails. It's gradually get out of that and, and then, and then be able to go, okay, I truly have taken care of all those loose threads that I'm not going to be worried about in the middle of sabbatical. So that was hugely helpful as a way to ease into it emotionally uh, and to ease into it physically, because what we discovered was, was the first week, aside from, you know, finishing up those last minute threads that we'd forgotten about for the first week, we pretty much just slept. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the second week we got sick. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? Uh, our, our bodies just went, that's yeah. it. We're done fighting all these germs. We're going to just, you know, and we did first week sleep, second week um, sick. And then, so again, a part of what you uh, advised was don't immediately like head off somewhere in your first week or two. You've got to be in a place where you're able to just sleep or just get sick or just feel mm -hmm. panicked or just feel whatever you're going to feel in a place where you're not going to go, oh, I can't do this because I'm in this beautiful place and I got to go out and, and do this. I got to go fishing. I got, no, you don't just like stay at home or, or wherever it is that you can get away from people, but you're not going to feel panicked that you got to do stuff. So that was hugely helpful. The gradually getting into it was a huge help for us. What did you change in your sabbatical planning after meeting with me? Uh, were there things that you were like, oh, I, I really need to rethink this or change that? Was that I had this picture in my head on the last day. I'm, I'm going to get all this advanced work done so that, you know, before sabbatical and on sabbatical day one, I'm, it's all going to be done. So this idea of it's okay to have some loose threads to pick up, that was hugely helpful. That was one of the first things. Um the second one was, uh, yeah, I, we had planned to leave two or three days into sabbatical and just physically get out of town. And we looked at that and went, no, let's delay that. Um, let's, yeah, we've, we've got a nice house that we like, and we've got a nice little backyard that we can sit in. And if we just, you know, feel like we don't want to do something, anything this day and not go anywhere and not see anybody, we can just do that at home and just, you know, just chill. Um, so that those were probably the two biggest things we, we pushed off the going away part and, um, whatever that first one was that I said, I was, I'm, I'm, I've been off sabbatical for a while, but I still got sabbatical brain. There's things that just don't <laughs> back in place. post sabbatical brain is a real thing. Uh, nice. 
And because you told me that too, you said, I said, so we got to give ourselves a couple of weeks to kind of get back into the mode. And he said, no, a couple of months, it's going to be a long time, much longer than you expect before you're actually fully engaged and fully thoughtful about you know, the kind of full, full ministry that you've been doing. So you don't hit the ground running when you get, get off, you really got to ease yourself back into it slowly. And that was hugely helpful too. And and to me that, that takes the whole idea of sabbatical planning from a, a very narrow programmatic, okay, day one to, you know, and, and listing it out to more of a conceptual planning. Yep. Uh, I, if both of you would just speak about that, because I think, you know, as pastors think about sabbaticals, maybe they think, yeah, I've got to have every hour of every day planned out uh, in order to win the grant that's going to pay for my sabbatical, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, instead of saying, no, conceptually, uh, plan to do nothing plan to sleep. Um, talk a little bit about that, of, of how you um, embrace that into your your plan, Carl, and, and Sean, how you help pastors do that. I'm talking with Sean, I realize if this is too planned, then it's just more work. It's just a different type of work. Um, but the, the, uh, the other part of it was not one plan loosely and two within that planning have wide range for, uh, for a last minute audible to, to, that to adapt to uh, to situations on the ground as they happen. Um, that I, I I made even though we had planned to be away for this thing for that we didn't make reservations anywhere. We didn't have anything that we were obligated to do mm -hmm. during that season. We had things we wanted to do. We had things that were loosely planned to do, but we had no obligations at all, so that we could adapt as we needed it. Um, and th that made it less stressful while still being planned well enough so that it was going to be beneficial. Yeah, I like to say to pastors, there's the sabbatical you plan, and then there's the sabbatical that God plans for you. <laughs> and they rarely match up as the same thing. Uh, for example, Carl mentioned, you know, the crash in, in feeling sick. That often happens when we come off the adrenaline of carrying too much stress. Um, and we finally let go of that. Our body returns to its normal levels and we get sick because we don't have the adrenaline coursing through our bodies all the time. Um, that's a normal response. Uh, it happens a lot. Uh, another thing that, that pastors often have to be aware of is uh, while you're on sabbatical, one of your goals is to spend extended time in silence and solitude, in prayer and in time in, uh, in the word. And when you do that, when you create that level of space for your soul in the safe presence of God, sometimes some ugliness floats to the surface, uh, whether it's uh, sin that uh, needs to be repented of or wounds that need to be healed. Uh, and most pastors have a lot of those wounds that need to be healed. Um, you might find in the middle of your sabbatical, you're experiencing grief, depression, anger, any number of things that can come from those wounds, and you need space to attend to them in God's mm -hmm. presence. Uh, and so having the flexibility to do that is really important, uh, because you never know what God has planned for you during this time off. This is why we talked earlier about, about Shelly. One of the reasons why we planned it together as husband and wife, because uh, my emotional state will affect her, hers will affect me. And so if we don't anticipate and plan that together. Uh, it, it could have caused real conflict between us. 
but instead we saw it as something that we were doing together with God's help. And that was a huge thing. If you're married, don't do this by yourself. Uh, even if your spouse doesn't take the amount of time off that you do, because maybe they're committed to their own work, it nevertheless needs that they need to be fully involved in planning at every step of this as well. That goes to the sense, um, Sean, as you said, that you know we have our plans. God has His plan, and and to be able to plan simply to be available to and make space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to work in us, to lead us. Because uh, yeah, who who plans to be depressed for a day, right? <laughs> yeah. My my sabbatical plan. I'm on the third day. I'll be depressed. Um, <laughs> and and yet the um, denial, anger, bargaining. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your sabbatical. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. Well, so what was your experience like, Carl? As as you and Shelley walked through that, as you uh, made yourself available, but also had these specific things that you wanted to attend to. Sure, we got through the week of uh, sleep and the week of sickness. <laughs> Uh, we actually headed on the road. We were, we were, we had a plan to, um, to spend some time on the road and it fell through for <clears throat> technical reasons that nobody could help. <clears throat> and so we ended up back at home for the rest of it. So some of our plan to be driving around in an RV and exploring certain places that didn't take place, but that was okay. We were able to <clears throat> do everything we needed to do emotionally and spiritually, uh, to be at home. What I discovered was, and I mentioned, I, I hinted at this earlier, we took 50 days and, um, I'm grateful that we took the 50, but double that if I if and when I do it again, and the only reason I say if is because I'm 64 and if you do this every decade or so, by the time I'm ready to do it next, it may be time to retire. I don't know. Um, but let's say when I do it again, it'll be a minimum of 100 days because what I discovered was <clears throat> 50 days is a minimum amount of time to phase out of what you've been doing and the mindset where you are. And then just as I looked around and realized, oh, I feel like I'm fully on sabbatical now, I went, oh, and now it's time to start phasing out of it. <laughs> so I'm grateful that I was able to phase out. I'm grateful that I was able to rethink and phase back in, but I didn't get that big chunk in the middle where I'm not phasing out or phasing back in again. I'm just simply taking time with the Lord, with my spouse, uh, for for my own spiritual, mental, and emotional health. So what I got was great. What I got was helpful. But I felt like I kind of missed the sabbatical part of sabbatical. You have a, a podcast that's uh, all about conversations uh, in the church lobby, so to speak. Uh, and on your podcast, you share, I think it's 22 uh, lessons from sabbatical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 an excellent episode. We'll we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes, um, and we want people to to know uh, about that because uh, it's a great I think a great resource if you're planning a sabbatical. Um, looking back, what what uh, what would you do differently? The first one would be taking it longer, uh, absolutely for sure. Um, I don't know if there would be anything I'd do particularly differently because your you know, the conversation with you and the strategy you laid out just simply works. Um, um, so yeah, just being able to do it for a longer period of time is the only thing I can think off the top of my head 
that I would do differently unless there's one of those 22 that I already said I would have done differently that I'm not remembering <laughs> right now. <laughs> there probably is. I was probably smarter brain. when I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was probably smarter when I did that than I am right now. But no, there's nothing that it, literally the length of time is the only thing that really stands out. Um, one thing that I would add that was really helpful to me was we did go to church every single Sunday. And like the first Sunday, we kind of looked at each other and went, why don't we just stay home? Just one Sunday. And I realized, you know what? I, I, I need to be among God's people. I need to have the refreshing of that. I need to experience uh, as much as I can being among God's people in a place of worship where I have no responsibility for what's happening and just simply to enjoy that circumstance. Um, and it really was refreshing. So one of the things I really learned that was really great is people out there who say there's just no good churches around anymore are either too picky or they're not paying attention or legitimately may have so much hurt from the church that they are unable to process mm -hmm. that and be able to deal with that properly. Because what we found was we were at eight different churches on eight, eight different Sundays and seven of them were wonderful churches that we would easily attend again and that we would recommend to others to attend. And I live in the godless crater of Southern California. <laughs> and we were able to find seven very good churches quite easily to attend on a Sunday. So I really encourage you when you're on, on that sabbatical, do spend, do go to church, uh, uh on that and 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 go go to it it'll take you a couple of weeks to go non-judgmentally where you're not just assessing everything in the place and just simply relaxing and enjoying the worship and receiving from the Lord. so work hard on doing that and that's part of the reason why we went every sunday because i thought it may take me four or five sundays where i can actually just sit in church and just enjoy the service and if i delay by missing church a couple sundays i'll get fewer of those experiences so i want to jump on that right away this is another reason why it's great for your pastor to take a sabbatical, because then they can learn what it's like to sit in the pew again, you know, sit in yes. the chair and actually uh, not be the professional speaking in front, which will give them empathy and, and uh, help them in their sermon prep. So, I mean, that you know, alone is a great experience. But it's so good for their soul, too, to be among the worshiping people. Carl, what would you say was the hardest thing, the biggest challenge in in the sabbatical itself? Uh, let me pause for that one. The hardest thing in the sabbatical was, yeah, getting out of work brain. That was, that, and I knew I knew it would be because uh, I'm my, I'm uh, my brain is constantly buzzing. I it's just. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's it's my nature to to constantly think through every single minor detail of things and i you know my, my, Shelley is is the opposite like i don't know how well, we're sitting tv and all of a sudden i hear her snoring and i go how does sleep just sneak up on someone like that <laughs> sleep has never snuck up on me i it's have a to spiritual work gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i have to work on sleeping like she's got to fight it off and i have to work to get there right uh. And, and, and it's just, there's this stuff going on inside my brain. So for, to, to be able to fully get out of that mode, especially I'm taking this sabbatical in order to think more clearly about this next mm. season of ministry that we're going into. So I want to jump into that right away, but I know that in order to think about it clearly, I have to let my brain rest for as long as I can allow it to rest so that I can think more clearly as I come out of it again. Mm. So that was part of it. And part of what really helped with that was your uh, very strong recommendation, Sean, of journaling. Mm. 
I'm not a journaler. I'm a writer. I'm writing every day. But the idea of sitting down and writing down my thoughts for that day just doesn't, it's not the way I work. But I did it so that I could take that day and set it aside as something I don't have to think about anymore because I've written about it. That process, uh, like I haven't gone back and read them. I don't know that I ever will, but I know I got the value out of, I don't have to sit and ponder that and think the next thing next. I don't have to connect it to anything because it's done. It's there. If I need it, I can go back to it. Yeah. It's out of your head and it's on the paper. Yeah, exactly. It was out of my head because it was on the paper and, and I did physically write it in a journal, which in for these kinds of things uh, has been proven to be better than electronically. Uh, if, if you don't do that, then do it electronically. It's better to do it electronically than not at all, but it's better to physically write it out on paper mm -hmm. than it is to do it electronically. Um, and then it was done. And then I, I, that day is done and it's been written about and it's been set aside. And that, uh, compartmentalization, I guess, is partially what it was, was really helpful to me. What changes did you make uh, to your rhythms of work and life because of sabbatical? I realized that I had been operating at a, at a, a long-term unsustainable pace, not anywhere close to what I was doing years ago when I had that collapse. Um, but yeah, I started realizing. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 trying to do too much. Uh, trying to uh, say yes to every opportunity, um, plus the additional things that aren't opportunities that are just difficulties that that pop up. So I realized. Yeah, I I um, I am constantly prioritizing recovery. So um, anything I do now, I look at how much output is this going to take and where am I going to get the equivalent amount of input to recover mm -hmm. from that? Mm -hmm. And before I do the output, how am I going to receive enough input so that I have something of value to output? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it isn't just recovery afterwards, it's preparation before by giving myself the time to take that break and, and being able to sit and to do that during sabbatical made me appreciate the value of that so that now as we move forward, uh, even more than before, we're constantly looking at where is our recovery time before the, where, where's our, our, our down prep time before this and where is our recovery time after this. And uh, we know that we will be more effective, perhaps doing fewer things, probably doing fewer things, but being more effective at them uh, by, by recognizing that uh, downtime to prepare and recovery time afterwards is not a step away from effective ministry, but is an integral part of effective ministry. Where did God uniquely show up during your time? The first thing that comes to mind is church. Um, church on eight Sundays, we went, four of them, we went with friends to churches that they've been going to people that we know and love and who we know are spiritually mature and aren't, aren't going to be picking bad churches to go to and to be able to go and worship with them and to see how their souls are nourished and to have my own soul nourished as well in a place with friends we already knew, friends and family members. Uh, that was a huge uh, blessing to us. And then on the other four, we picked um, churches outside of our own type of church that we that we go to so it wasn't we are, we are mainstream evangelical 
with a Pentecostal tinge to it is what we are. So we picked uh, churches that we knew were going to have biblical foundations, but we're going to approach it in some different ways uh, in, in just the physicality of their worship that were going to be different mm -hmm. from us to be able to appreciate different Christian traditions. And those ones uh, spoke to us in very different ways than worshiping in a church that is like ours, but with friends mm -hmm. that had its own benefit and a completely be different benefit to being just the two of us in a church that was very different from our format in which we could hear uh, and participate in the worship and in the message of Christ uh, through a different lens and almost in a different language. And it gave us a great appreciation for the both the depth and the breadth of the body of Christ. And that is a beautiful gift. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to experience. Um, let's, let's just talk directly to pastors and maybe even more so to church boards, elder boards, leadership teams, uh, whoever it is that decides whether or not the pastor gets a sabbatical. Um, what advice would you give uh, based on your experience to those pastors and, and church leaders? You can't do sabbatical until you're already operating as a pastor and as a congregation under a biblical framework. Uh, the biblical framework allows for this to take place. Um, but if you're just chaplaining instead of pastoring, if you're seeing the preacher as a hired hand rather than as the shepherd who is uh, helping you nourish your own souls and equip you to do ministry, um, which is the pattern for far too many churches, if you're doing that, then yeah, the sabbatical is going to not make sense. And it may not even work because you're just going to come back to a an, an unbiblical pattern at the end of it. Uh, so the first thing is, let's take a look at, you know, whose church is this really? Okay. It's not the denominations. It's not the pastors. It's not the, the, the most outspoken church members church. It is Christ's church. He said he would build it. How close to his uh, desire for his church are we operating? And in the places where we're not, let's get back in line on that. So that's the first thing is really to go down to the real core of stuff. What is Jesus calling his church to do and to be and how close or how distant are we from that? And then as you start moving towards that and start understanding these things a little more clearly, uh, pastor that you're pastoring more biblically, congregation that you are acting in a more a New Testament church manner uh, in the way you're treating each other, in the way you're treating uh, the pastor, in the way you're treating each other, uh, then you start looking around and you start you stop asking, why isn't the pastor working harder? Or how can the pastor is messing this up? And you start asking, how can we, as the body, honor Christ by supporting the person that God has given us to help nourish our souls and to help equip us as a body? How do we help each other in that? This is why when we went on sabbatical, the one argument I didn't have was with the congregation. Because for years, we have been working on what does it mean to serve each other within this body. Um, and so it, it doesn't start with the technical aspects of how many days am I going to take off or why is he even taking a break? It starts with how are we honoring Christ in a, according to the New Testament template for how the church is supposed to behave? How can we get closer to that? And then as we do, we're going to want to serve each other. We're going to look for ways to give each other those breaks rather than fighting against them. 
I, I think we're we're button up against our time here. Carl, you've been so gracious to uh, make this space. This is this has been a sabbatical in my day uh, as we've been <laughs> able to sit. Uh, but it, it it does, I think, remind us of the necessity of embracing uh, a, a God-ordained rhythm uh, for life that would naturally make space for something of of this size and magnitude uh and and becomes more normative within the the church rather than unique and and special one thing that to remind pastors of and that really occurred to me during this season was a sabbatical is wonderful but sabbath is a commandment and if we're not already sabbathing and understanding the benefit of regular sabbath then we are not already in the rhythm of life that where sabbatical makes sense. Uh, sabbatical will be harder if you're not taking regular Sabbath. And when I say Sabbath, I don't mean taking Sunday afternoon off. Um, in fact, not long before I went on sabbatical, I was talking about, we were just going through the, well, I can't remember what passage it was where it mentioned Sabbath. So we we're talking about the importance of Sabbath. And that is really given to us as a gift to us. It, also a commandment, but a commandment for our good and as a gift to us. And at the end of the service, two of our kind of young ministers in training who were, were, were training up and discipling, um, the older of the two and the one who'd been doing it longer of the two came to me with the other one and, and asked me, he said, Pastor, we were just having a debate. So I was wondering, when's your Sabbath? And I said, well, usually it's on a Saturday, but occasionally if I can't do a Saturday, it's on a Monday. And he turned to the younger guy and he said, see, I told you. I go, what? I told you what? What's going on here? He said, well, the, you know, the younger guy had said to the older guy, well, you know, you know, Pastor T telling everybody that a Sabbath is important, but, you know, he, he's working on his Sabbath. I mean, he's preaching right now. That's work. He's working on his Sabbath. And he looked at him and said, I guarantee you, Pastor does not consider Sunday his Sabbath day because he's working on it. I guarantee you. Well, let's ask him. Okay, let's go ask him. <laughs> so they came to ask me. So the, so the older one who had been, you know, in process of being discipled longer, knew me well enough and had seen from the examples of our other staff members, because I tell, you know, tell them on a regular basis, this Sunday's Sunday's a work day for you. You need to have another day for full rest uh, other than Sunday. He knew that and he was teaching it to that next generation. So mm -hmm. we've already, we, so we've got this process in place in our congregation. This is where the whole, hey, they didn't have a objection to my sabbatical comes from because they're hearing this and the older ones are teaching the younger ones this already that when pastor gets up and says uh, uh, sabbath is important he's not working on his sabbath either he's finding a day to rest and worship and do nothing else on a regular basis and let's talk to him i guarantee you that's what will come out of his mouth so it, that's that's something that we we have to be living it as an example we can't just be teaching it we have to be an example of it so let's just end with uh, with two quick questions. First, uh, right. where can people find you online? And second, what does ministry look like for you in the next season? What's uh, next okay. for Carl Vaders? Alrighty. Yeah, if anybody wants to find me, uh, the great thing about having a name like Carl Vaders is if you spell it correctly, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> uh, so starting with carlvaders.com, you can go there and you can contact me there. That's where all, all the articles, all the podcasts go up. Plus I'm on all the social medias just under my name. Um, secondly, yeah, next season, that's a big part of what happened during this 50 days was um, we had talked about this time last year. We started looking ahead at 2024 
Um, I have been on staff at the same church for 31 years. Um, for the first 25, I was the lead pastor. The Sunday after we celebrated our 25th anniversary, we announced to the congregation that we believed the Lord was leading this church uh, into a new season where my youth pastor was going to become the lead pastor and I would be a teaching pastor. That happened six years ago. So that's part of our discipleship and raising up new leaders is I literally raised up the guy who took my job. Um, and for the last six years, he has done an extraordinary job and he got stuck with leading through COVID. Woo, see, there are benefits. <laughs> and did an extraordinary job through that better than I would have done. And I mean that sincerely. He was the right person to have in place to lead us through that difficult season. And so for six years, he's been the lead pastor and I've been phasing out my involvement at our local congregation as my uh, ministry to small church pastors has increased. Um, so we looked ahead to 2024 and thought, okay, as of January, 2024, we're going to be fully off staff. And our plan originally was we're going to get it in an RV and we're going to spend the entire year on the road, touring the entire country and going to places that can't afford to bring us in, but Hey, we're here anyway. Can we help you out? Um, sabbatical allowed us to take a look at that and go, you know what? We planned this when we were in hyperactivity mode mm. and we still want to do it. It's still important for us to go to these places and to spend time slowing down in places that we need to be. But if we do that in a year, we're not going to slow down at all. We're going to be rushing through these places and this will not be healthy for us and it won't do what we want it to do. So over the next two to three years, 2024, 2025, and maybe even into, into 26, we will be spending uh, extended periods of time in various segments of the country. And in fact, next March will also be in three countries in Europe uh, where we're going to be in places long enough to spend extended time and say, can we help you out? We're here in the area for a little bit and doing pre-planned uh, uh, ministry experiences as well. So the first leg of that is going to be happening in, I believe it's February right now, where we will go from uh, New Orleans to two spots in Alabama to five spots in Florida. And we'll have time in between uh, that if you're in those parts of the country, uh, uh, let us know. And uh, pretty soon we'll have that announced on our newsletter. We'll have it on our website. Mm -hmm. We'll have a schedule up, but we're, we're putting that together right now. So yeah, the next two or three years, we're going to be spending a lot of time on the road um, and at some point, even getting an RV where we've got our own housing and our own place, uh, our own place to stay during the week. And we just say, Hey, we're in this part of the country. Uh, if anybody wants to come and wants to have some benefit and some blessing, and if we can help you in your church, giving you a break on Sunday or whatever, uh, or just to sit down and talk with a pastor who kind of gets where you are in small church ministry, we're here in your area. So that's our hope for the next few years. Carl, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today and blessings in that new ministry. This is exciting. Thank you. We are looking forward to it. Yeah, Carl, thank you. And a, and a real gift to the church this next season. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you for being open to the Lord uh, for that. And we want to thank our listeners, too. Uh, we would love to hear your comments. Uh, go over to hoperenewedpodcast.com. You can leave them there. And our prayer is that you would find the rest that only God has for us as you look to Him and wait upon Him. Thank you for joining us on Hope Renewed. Please help us reach more pastors by sharing this episode with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, or your favorite platform for receiving podcasts. Thank you. This means the world to us.
The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. At PIR, we partner with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration. Pastors, our goal is to help you cultivate new hope for healthy life and ministry. We do this by building relationships. We train both pastors and churches to promote a culture of ministry health. If you've experienced a forced exit from ministry, we provide a process of restoration for you and your family. We also have proven resources and tools to assist you in the challenges of ministry life. To contact us or to learn more about PIR, visit PIRministries.org.